I'm Poppy, and this is how bad comebacks taught me more than my sixth grade teacher. Don't stick your hand in liquid nitrogen, even if it is on accident. Liquid nitrogen is corrosive and can cause permanent eye damage, nerve damage, and can burn you. Liquid nitrogen is also used in controlled lab settings. I've only ever had the privilege of working with it a handful of times. We needed to freestyle ourselves in a research lab, and we were required to use special gloves, which, as a side note, had holes in them. USF research funding is really tight. So one night, I was in the lab alone with another research assistant, and we were both really sleep-deprived. I was doing the final round of freestyle, and I dropped half the Eppendorf tubes into liquid nitrogen. I thought I was about to ruin this entire round of proteins, we would have to spend another two weeks and even more money that we did not have because of my negligence. And so on impulse, I stuck my hand in and scooped them up without realizing. Luckily, nothing bad came from it and I only had my hand in there for a few seconds. But it is easy to question why I recklessly dropped the Eppendorf tubes in the liquid nitrogen in the first place. So I have a neurological hand tremor, which under the perfect conditions can cause one to drop objects. This was not new information to myself, nor to my peers. I mitigated this by using slightly different techniques, both under the fume hood and while running gels. So my hand tremor, which remained undiagnosed until I started USF and is a result of essential tremor, I started to get bad in high school, and this was also when I started to have anxiety symptoms. And so in my head, I associated the tremor with my anxiety, but then I started to get treatment for it, and my tremors actually ended up getting worse. Um, and this was around the time when I started to take harder labs at USF, and when I started to work in that cell, uh, cell culturing lab. So this meant that I worked with corrosive reagents and glassware, and so I was really forced to come up with solutions. Like I had dropped an Erlenmeyer flask in organic chemistry lab once, um, which if you've ever taken organic chemistry, it was while I was using one of those really weird vacuum things that just gush out air randomly. And so my TA started to get on to me about it. And another time I was at my grandparents' place in India and we were eating Puris at a little stand. Um, and I had dropped the plate of pani puris, which was really unfortunate because it's my favorite street food. And so this was around the time, like the first and most prominent periods of my life when I kind of just needed to come up with solutions for problems that I did not create. And this also just really intersected with a lot of powerlessness that I felt throughout my childhood. And I think actually the first time I remember thinking about how I react to situations in which I have little to no control over was in middle school. And until then, a lot of my thinking was very black and white. Um, and so someone at school had made a terrorism joke towards me when we were talking about 9-11, which to be honest, it made me more annoyed than it made me sad. Like if you're gonna be racist, you should at least be racist correctly. After all, like, anything less than that makes you look racist and stupid, which is somehow a bar that is six feet lower than my expectations. And so naturally, my little 12-year-old self, my response to this joke was to say that joke was almost as funny as your reading ability. And so in any case, my mom, 
my traditional Indian mom was called to school and I was given a really stern lecture from both. Um, but actually what stood out to me from that day was not just how the teacher reacted, but um, it was how my parents reacted to it. So my mom, on the one hand, had told me that I needed to keep my head down in the, these scenarios, that it just wasn't worth it for me to speak out against these types of things, because, you know, she said that there were better ways to show that you aren't affected by these types of things. But my dad, on the other hand, he had told me to, I guess, show them what the only, the, the only daughter of a Desi household could do. He thought that if he thought that I should play the game exactly as they are playing it. And this was just really interesting for me to contemplate on since both were very different methods of dealing with the same issue and they both have their benefits and their drawbacks. So this essentially just taught me to go from thinking things in a black and white scenario to recognizing the nuances and that people react differently to the same events. And so as I grew older, I started to grow more proud of my identity, be it culturally, religiously, and socially. And so when I got to uni, I thought it was a good time to start over. However, as mentioned earlier, I started having increasing issues with mental health and with my hand tremor. Um, and so many of my personal stressors came into life last spring, and I started to have really bad depressive symptoms. And that's not what this whole part is about. Actually, what I took from it was from what my poetry professor had taught me. Um, in this During this time period, I lost one of my closest friends to mental health. And as a result, some of my pieces reflected that facet of my life. Um, she noticed that I was exploring much darker themes than I had prior to this. And after class one day, she told me that I was doing well for myself. And I responded by saying, like, no, I've been experiencing some unimaginable things and I wasn't feeling well at all. And in return to this, she said that I was right. I wasn't feeling well, but I was still doing well. I was taking a situation which I had very little control over and I tried to mold into something that was just a little bit easier to carry. And she said this process was what both the writing and the human experience was about, which still resonates with me to date. And so this whole process taught me that it is quite literally not possible to control every single one of your circumstances. And trying to do so is really unsustainable to me. And we don't pay as much money in green energy funds as USF students to be focusing on unsustainable practices. Instead, we can focus on what we can uh, on what we can control, like, I don't know, not eating hummus for the fifth time in one week, or venting to friends instead of ChatGPT. Guys, Cell Biolab has been hitting me much harder than the time I got hit by a motorbike. That is a whole nother story. So for example, I recently talked about watching the Cricket World Cup final at 3.30 in the morning at a friend's place. What I neglected to mention was that I had to leave my phone at my apartment since my parents have both Life360, otherwise known as Stalker360, and Find My tracking. They also placed a curfew on me when I started at USF that I must be back at my apartment by the time the sun sets. I regularly combat this by placing my phone at home, which to be honest is also very unsafe. 
I remember being really nervous that my parents would call me in the morning and that somehow I would end up in more trouble. This combined the fact that I was supporting a team that was literally getting more destroyed than my genetics lab meant that I was just in a really bad headspace despite doing something that I was enjoying quite a bit. I remember reflecting on it after because I was feeling rather underwhelmed by something that brings me so much joy. I then realized that all the measures that I took to get to a point of enjoyment meant close to nothing since I wasn't even enjoying the experience of what I worked hard to get to. And so the moral of these combined experience was that sometimes bad things just happen, but it's also your responsibility to move on from them and react to them accordingly. And so there's very little point in dwelling on the decisions and circumstances that got to where you are.